It's good to see each of you tonight. Hope you've had a good week. Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll get started. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight. I pray that you'd bless this time that we have together. I pray that you'd use it, Lord, to speak to our hearts, to help us in our walk with you. Lord, that uh, we would just uh, be willing to let you speak to us however you would see fit. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin tonight by making a couple of statements that need to be made for my sake, maybe not for your sake, but I want to begin by saying this, that at the conclusion of tonight's message, you will not have heard anything new, I'm assuming. I am assuming that everything that I'm about to preach this evening is something that you have heard in the past. I would suspect that many of us have echoed these same thoughts that I'm about to Uh, remind us of. So nothing new will be discussed this evening at the end of the message. You will probably not say, wow, he really shed some light on some things I had never considered before. Again, these are truths that I would assume all of us are aware of. I would assume that all of us are in agreement with what I'm about to preach tonight. But I would say this, that we need the reminder. I know that I need the reminder from time to time with what I'm about to preach, and I think we as God's people need the reminder from time to time. And so I'm going to preach this with no apology. I'm going to preach this really with no reservation as to whether or not I should. I've prayed about this. I feel like it needs to be preached, and so that's how we're going to approach this. And I do know that because of the culture that we live in, there are elements of the sermon that may be a little bit hard for some of us to accept. We may know it to be true, but it may be hard for us to really get on board with it. I would just say this tonight, that if what I'm saying is true, if what I'm saying is accurate, then be willing to apply it to your life and be willing to do so in the days to come. I think that's a fair enough request, is it not? So that in mind, with that little disclaimer being given, I'd like us to consider a few questions this evening. Very simple questions. Just answer them in your mind. Do not answer them out loud. I want you to think, first of all, this evening about what time you woke up this morning. I know that that would vary for each of us, but just think about what time your day began when the alarm went off or whenever the sun finally peeked through your window, whatever it was, what time did you wake up? Answer this question, if you would, in your mind. What did you eat today? Whether it was breakfast, lunch, or supper, whatever your diet was today, what did you eat today? One other question, and then I'll get to the point of these questions. The question is this. Have you or have you not exercised this week? of any form, of any fashion, in any way, have you exercised this week? Now, with those questions I've just asked, again, the answers are going to vary from person to person, whoever it is is answering them. Someone may say, oh, I woke up at 5 o'clock this morning. Someone may say, well, I didn't get up till 7.30 this morning. Whatever, that's the answer that would be true of each of us. If you were to answer this question, what you had for supper tonight before church, your answer would most likely be different than what my answer was or is. Somebody may say, I didn't have time to eat supper before we got to church, and so I'm looking forward to eating supper. The answer is whatever it would be for you. 
Whether or not you exercised, that's an answer that only you can give. But here is the point that I want us to consider. That whatever the answers were to those questions for you, that was totally dependent on you. You realize this, right? You made the choice for each of those scenarios that I just gave you. No one could make you do anything in relation to those three things that you did not want to do. If you did not want to wake up at 5.30 this morning, guess what? You didn't wake up at 5.30. If you wanted to hit the snooze button and stay in bed just a few minutes longer, you had the freedom to do so. Somebody may say something like this. No, no, no. I had to get up and I had to get ready. I had to start my day so that I could get to work on time. Okay, that was still you making that choice to do that. Now, granted, there may have been some consequences had you not gotten up and gotten ready and got to work on time. But I'm just saying that choice was up to you. That was your decision. Certainly what you ate this week or what you have eaten today, that was your choice. Nobody had the ability to force feed you. Well, that's all they fixed. Well, you didn't have to eat it. There's a McDonald's here in town. There's a Chicken Express here in town. You could have done something different if you wanted. Some child says, no, I couldn't. I had to to eat it. No, not even your parents can make you eat. It might be in your best interest to go ahead and swallow it down, but they cannot make you eat something you don't want to eat. And certainly no one can make you exercise if you don't want to. Right? I dare you to try to make me do a sit-up this morning. You'll be dealing with dead weight, right? I'm laying on the ground and I'm not doing any kind of exercise. I'm just trying to show us we make our decisions and no one else can make them for us. With that in mind, I want us to turn to the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, again, I know that you know this. I know that you are as aware of this as I am. But in the opening chapters of the book of Genesis, what do we have the record of? We have the record of the creation of this earth. Do we not? As that is so, I want us to think about this, that when God created this earth, his design plan was both perfect and flawless. God designed a perfect world, and that is what God created, a perfect world. There was absolutely nothing wrong with this world when God spoke it into existence. There were no faults, there were no flaws, there were no design issues that had to be corrected, that had to be modified. No, God spoke into existence a perfect world without any fault, any flaw, any defect whatsoever. So we know that as you continue reading through the book of Genesis, very early in the book, here is what we see, is that God created Adam and then God created Eve. We're aware of this, right? And in the same fashion in which God created this world, both perfect and flawless, without any kind of a defect, that is also the manner in which he created man. 
Man, we know, is not some result of evolution or things of that nature. Man was created in the image of God, and man was created a perfect being, as was Eve. We would, we would agree with this, right? So again, so far, nothing new in what I'm saying. We're aware of all of this. So what we have in this scenario, in the opening chapters of Genesis, is this. A perfect man and a perfect woman living in a perfect world. That's about as good of an environment as a person can have, is it not? So all that in mind, look in chapter 2 tonight and look in verse number 17. We'll actually begin looking in verse number 16, read some verses that we're familiar with. So in Genesis chapter 2, verse number 16, it says this, And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So up to this point in the scripture, this is the only command that's been given to Adam and Eve. Again, perfect individuals living in a perfect world. God said of every tree in the garden, you can freely eat from it. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For this reason, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God explained, this is the rule, this is the expectation, and it's fairly clear, isn't it? You don't have to go to seminary, you don't have to be a Bible college graduate to understand what the command was. It is simple, it is clear, it is easily defined. Eat of every tree you want except this one. Do not eat of the fruit of this tree If you do, you will die. So we move down to Genesis chapter 3. In verse number 1 it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So obviously this is when Satan in the form of a serpent appears unto Eve. And it says in verse number 2, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. So verse number 3 lets us know that Eve knew the command as clearly as you and I could state it tonight. She said to the serpent that we are able to eat of the fruit of every tree except this one. God has said that we cannot eat from it or else we will die. So in verse number 4, we know what Satan said. It says, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. What Satan says to Eve essentially is this, You've been given wrong information. 
You've been fed a lie. You've been told something that is not true. Essentially, what Satan is saying is this, is God is trying to withhold something from you that would be good for you that you would actually enjoy. Well, how do we know that that's what Satan was basically saying? Well, notice in verse number 5, he said, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So Satan is saying to Eve, the only reason that God doesn't want you eating of this fruit, of this tree, is because God knows that in the day you do so, you will be like a god yourself, and you will know good from evil. So all of us are aware of what happens next. Verse number six. It says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. So what did Eve do in that moment? She ate of the fruit, right? She saw that the fruit was good. She saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. It was a tree that was to be desired to make one wise. So she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And then it says, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Adam was as aware of the command as was Eve. Was he not? He was as fully aware of the command as was Eve. So both Adam and Eve know the command. They know the charge that was given by God. They know the consequence that was explained, what would take place if they ate of the fruit. And here is what they did. They ate of the fruit of the tree that they were forbidden to eat from. Now that's important for this reason. This whole flow of thoughts, what I'm trying to build to is this. I want us to see what happened in this perfect world with perfect beings, with perfect individuals. Here is what Adam and Eve both did individually, though close together by way of time. Here is what they did. They exercised the free will that God created them with. God created in this perfect world, these perfect beings. Here is what God did. He created within them and he gave to them this free will to do what? To make decisions. To decide what they were going to do with their lives. The route they were going to take. The course they were going to take. They were created by God with this ability to make decisions on their own. Now tonight, again, I believe we all agree with this, but I want us to be reminded of this, that we are beings today who have been given a free will in all areas of life. There is not an area of life where one is not allowed to exercise their choice or their decision in a matter. 
Now, why is that important that we be reminded of this tonight? Well, a couple of reasons, and we'll deal with another one later. But tonight, I want us to understand that there are people out there who are of the mindset, who are of the belief, who are of the position that there are certain decisions that are out of our hands and that we are incapable of making of a spiritual sort of a spiritual nature. They are of the mindset that there are just certain spiritual things that if they're going to happen, God must do it. But if God doesn't do it, then it cannot happen. And friends, if you follow that logic all the way, then you have to see how faulty it truly is. See, think with me, if you would, for just a moment. If spiritual decisions of this nature are not determined by the individual, but rather by God, then what one has to determine is this, is that God realistically was then responsible for the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden that day. If someone adopts the idea and the, and the doctrine that there are just certain spiritual things that men have no control over, then not only was God responsible for the fall, God was responsible for the consequence of the fall, and God was responsible for the punishment associated with the fall, and therefore God was then responsible for hell and sending people to hell. And friends, if you really begin to believe that, here's what you would have to conclude— that that is not the nature of a loving God whatsoever. God did not create men and women determining some to be saved and determining others to be lost and not allowing people to exercise a free will in spiritual matters. No, God in a perfect world dealing with perfect people said, here is what you are entitled to. You are entitled to the right to make every decision of this nature that you want, but just know certain decisions carry certain consequences with it. We have got to be reminded tonight that we are free willed individuals who have the right to make decisions and no one can make decisions for us. Why is that important? Well, it's important for this reason. It reminds us that how every person lives is the result of choices they make. And it also reminds you and I that for every manner of life in which we engage in and whatever the consequences of it may be, that is the result of you and I exercising our free will Because that is how God designed us. Let's follow this. How many of us have ever seen someone, and I'm not trying to be rude, I'm not trying to be offensive here, I just want us to think about this. How many of us have ever seen someone who lives in filth? 
We've seen that, right? You know why they live in filth? Because they choose to live in filth. No one has to live in filth. That is a decision and a choice they have made for themselves. How many of us have ever seen someone who is lazy and as a result of laziness, they don't achieve anything with their lives? We've all seen people who have done that, right? How did that happen? Why did that take place? Because that's what they chose to do with their lives. They chose to be lazy. They chose not to pursue certain things. They chose not to get up and exercise some initiative. And so they are now in the position they are in because of choices they have made. Now, we're going to talk more about this in a minute, but somebody says, no, 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 you don't understand. No, listen, either we have a free will or we don't. How a person chooses to live is dependent on their own choices, end of discussion. If it's not a matter of personal choice, then you have to begin trying to dissect which one the person is responsible for and which ones they're not responsible for, and there's no way to know it. The bottom line is, is people are responsible For their own choices, and then what comes as a result of those choices. To try to make a little bit of spiritual application, this would be true. If a person has no personal relationship with God through Christ, and that is how they leave this life, That was their choice, especially here in the United States of America. There is no one in the United States of America without excuse, or with an excuse, I should say. There is no one in America who has a reason to go to hell when they die, except that be what they choose. Suppose someone that you know does not walk in obedience to God's will for their life. That is no one's fault but their own. It really is that simple. It is no one's fault but their own if somebody claims to be saved and yet they don't walk in obedience to God's will... That is no one's fault but their own. How do we know? Because Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3 reminds us God created man with a free will, with an ability to choose how they're going to live their lives. If you know someone who claims to be saved and yet there is no spiritual growth, there is no spiritual development or maturity, here is what you can know, that that is the result of choices they have made. That is the result of choices they have made. So as that is true of everyone else, who would that also be true of? That would be true of every one of us, would it not? 
No one but us is responsible for our lives. No one. No one is responsible for our lives. See if this makes sense. Can I be responsible for your spiritual life? Well, of course not. No more than you could be responsible for my spiritual life. I can't be in charge of your spiritual life any more than I can tell you what time to wake up or what to eat or whether or not you exercise. I just want us to see this. When it comes to spiritual matters, not just for other people, it is also true of us that the only one who has any say on our spiritual lives is us. My relationship with the Lord and your relationship with the Lord We are the ones responsible for it. If you're sitting here tonight and you don't know Christ as your Savior, listen, the only person who can change that is you. The only person who can alter your eternal course is you by being willing to humble yourself and call upon Christ to save you. But if you decide not to do that, a dad, a mom, a grandparent, a Sunday school teacher, no one else can do it for you. Only you can. It is a personal choice you must make. But we would sit here tonight and we would say, well, Brother Kyle, I'm already saved. I'm already a child of God. I've got that squared away. All right, then, then here's what we've got to remember. Every step of growth past that or lack thereof is dependent on us personally. Your spiritual growth is no one's responsibility but your own. It is no one's choice but your own. If you don't want to grow spiritually, no one can make you grow spiritually. And if you do want to grow spiritually, no one can keep you from doing it. Are we hearing this? Our spiritual lives and the course we take in our spiritual lives, it is dependent absolutely 100% upon us. If I want to grow, if I want to mature, if I want to develop, if I want to become more grounded in my walk with the Lord, I have the ability to do it because I get to make that decision for myself. And if I want to stay back here, immature, undeveloped in my spiritual life, if I don't want to be the man that God has called me to be, then that is a choice that I have available to me and no one can make me take a different approach. Where I am spiritually, where you are spiritually, where people that we know are at in their spiritual lives, Every bit of that is the result of their own or our own personal decisions. Why do we need this reminder? Because we live in the victim mentality world. We live in this world that everyone is the victim and it's not their fault right 
Everyone has an excuse for why they haven't, or why they're not, or why they are. Right? You you talk to people, maybe even about their salvation, and they might say something like this. Well, you know, I was just raised in a home where where there was so much hypocrisy, and I, I just don't know. Friend, that's an excuse. Because a lot of people were raised in homes far worse than that who decided to go ahead and give their lives to the Lord and trust Him with their everyday life and trust Him with their eternity. And and as a result of that choice they made, they would say today it was the greatest decision they ever made. So for a person to say, well, you just don't know my circumstances, you just don't know my situation, that is nothing but an excuse they're trying to use And if we're not careful, we can fall into that same trap, if not for ourselves, for other people. We've heard things like this, have we not? Well, you know, I'd probably be more faithful. I'd probably take it more serious if all these things hadn't happened in the past. That's nonsense. What other people did in the past has no bearing on what we or anyone else decide to do today. I understand that that can create some obstacles. I understand that it can create some challenges, but that's not an excuse because we get to decide what we do today and every day from this day forward. Somebody says, well, not all of us had the opportunity to grow up in a Christian home, Brother Kyle. Not all of us had the opportunity to to be sheltered like you were or to live in that kind of an environment like you did. And some of us really have a rough past. That may be, but we got to remember, you're not the only one who's had a rough past or seen a few things or experienced a few things. Many others have as well, and they made the choice, I'm just going to follow the Lord and serve Him in obedience, and they're the better for it. We are living in such a victimized culture and society that it has permeated into the church to this point where we have come to this conclusion, nothing is really our fault. It's got to be the environment, it's got to be the culture, it's got to be my past, it's got to be things that I was subjected to, it's got to be something that I was exposed to in my childhood, and that's my, my excuse. That's all it is, is an excuse. That's all it is, is an excuse. We decide We make the choice. What am I going to do today? What am I going to be today? How am I going to live right now? Whatever is in the past, that's exactly where it's at. It's in the past. Today, by the grace of God... 
I have the freedom to choose how I am going to live. I want us to understand this. Environment can only influence a decision. But it cannot determine a decision. What's going on, what's happened, what's taken place, whatever it may be, environment can influence decisions, but it cannot determine decisions. People say things like, well, if I just had a better environment, tell that to Adam and Eve. They had the perfect environment, them before the fall being perfect themselves, and they still made the choice to fall. Environment only influences, but it does not determine. Tonight, I want us to think about this, that we are where we're at right now in our spiritual lives because this is the choice we have made for ourselves. Our attitude, our actions, our reactions, our spirit, our countenance, our outlook, everything about who we are spiritually, it is the result of the decisions we have made. So wherever we're at, good or bad, guess what? There's only one person responsible for it. And that's us. So we probably ought to ask this question. Do I like where I'm at spiritually? Is this really where I ought to be? Should I be okay with where I'm at spiritually? If you're okay with it, if you like it, if you know before God you're where you're supposed to be, then I would say this, carry on. But if you look at where you're at spiritually right now and you would have to say, I'm not in a good spot, I don't like this, this is not what God would have for me, then I would try to remind us once more tonight, there is only one person that can change that. And that's you. It doesn't matter what sermon I preach. It doesn't matter what Sunday school lesson you hear. It doesn't matter what Bible study you attend. That does not matter until we are willing to make the choice to change it. We are responsible for every decision we make, spiritually included, if we don't like where we're at, it is upon us to change it. Let's all stand this evening and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, we come to you this evening. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to take a couple of moments before you and consider whether or not we're where we ought to be in our spiritual lives. Lord, whether it be our attitude, our, our actions, our faithfulness, whatever it is, our growth, our maturity, God, would you help us to look at that and to see if we're where we're supposed to be.
And if not, I pray that you'd help us to see that we have no excuse. Because with your help, we can change it if we want. I pray that you'd bless the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.